Hey guys, welcome to the Backlot Review, an official part of the Backlot Podcast Network. I am your host, Steven Soria, and today I'm joined by my assistant, John Kegg. John, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> my secretary. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> All right. Um, so today we're going to be talking about a couple films. We're going to be talking about Jumanji The Next Level, which I literally just finished watching like... Well, like, probably finished like an hour ago, maybe. Um, we're going to be talking about some uncut gems and the film of the week, 1917, which just got its U.S. release, what was it, like a week ago, John? Mm-hmm. I know it released, um, well, I think it had a limited release on Christmas. Yeah, or like maybe a couple of weeks before that, just so they can, I think, what, meet the deadline for the Oscars and all that stuff? Yeah, I think so. Um... But it just came out, you know, wide release, I think like a week ago. So we finally got around to seeing that. And we definitely have some thoughts. And, oh, also, we're also going to rate our top five Adam Sandler films. So that should be pretty fun. So I guess let's go straight into it. Jumanji, the next level. It's the newest entry into the Jumanji franchise, which is kind of weird to say. The Jumanji-verse. The Jumanji verse, the are you? Do we include Zathura in that? I feel like um, like we kind of have to. Yeah. You know, I didn't know it was John Favreau who made that, who directed it. Really? Yeah, I didn't, didn't know, know that, that either. No. Really? Like, uh, I don't know. I, um, I was looking through his filmography the other day, and I saw Zathura on, and I'm pretty surprised because I hate that movie. I mean, John Favreau, like, I, I love him as a filmmaker. Obviously, he's done some good shit, like Iron Man and, and Elf. And, I mean, he's made The Mandalorian. But, like, he's got some shit movies on his resume, too. Like, that. Um, Lion King, obviously. It's, it's just that. <laughs> but he did um, make Chef, which I think is the best movie ever. So Okay, Chef is amazing. I mean, Chef, you have Iron Man. Um, I mean, I guess if you want to throw the Mandalorian in there, did he do Cowboys can. and Aliens too? Oh yeah, he did. He also did Lion King. Yeah, that's what I said. Lion King earlier, like that, that movie's so ass. Oh fuck, that, that is. I forgot about. I forgot he made that. Okay, so Jumanji: The Next Level. I'm gonna go ahead and read a, a little summary for those who don't know what the film is about. Unknown to his friends, Spencer kept the pieces of the Jumanji video game and one day repaired the system in the basement for his mother's house when spencer's friends bethany fridge and martha arrive they find spencer missing and the game running and decide to re-enter jumanji to save him spencer's grandfather eddie and his friend milo walker inadvertently get sucked into the game too before any of spencer's friends can select their avatars with a new quest offered to them by nigel blingsley who claims that one of them will not make it out of this adventure alive the teenage friends must help eddie and milo get used to their in-game avatars Get them to help find Spencer and escape Jumanji again, once and for all. 
So this film was directed by Jake Kasdan, also written by Jake Kasdan, um, based off of, obviously, Jumanji. Stars Dwayne Johnson, um, Jack Black, Kevin Hart, Karen Gillan, Nick Jonas, Aquafina, Alex Wolf, Morgan Turner, Madison Eisman, Danny DeVito, and Danny Glover. I had to say all those names because when I was watching this movie, I didn't realize how like unusually stacked the cast is. I mean, I'm not really surprised because the first one like was 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 surprisingly a pretty good movie. Yeah. Okay. So the first. Well, um, okay. I mean, I guess the second Jumanji technically. Okay, Jumanji. What was the first? What was the other one called? Welcome to the Jungle. I think so. So the Jumanji that came out like two years ago was actually surprisingly pretty good. Like it was pretty. It was a fun, entertaining. Movie. It was yeah. It was definitely fun. Um, it had a couple solid laughs. I think Jack Black definitely steals the show. Um, acting as you know the high school girl, it was definitely a breath of fresh air, and it definitely wasn't as bad as most people expected it to be. Because you know people get harsh when remakes of like beloved childhood films are made, especially um, one with that starred Robin Williams. I mean, you definitely saw that like with Aladdin and Will Smith taking over as genie and whatnot. So, when the first Jumanji, or well, the second Jumanji, was, I guess, announced, I know people were pretty skeptical, and then they announced the cast, and the cast seemed pretty fun, and then the movie came out, and the movie was fun as shit. Definitely a good time. Now, this movie isn't as strong as that film, but it's definitely an enjoyable ride. Um, I mean, the additions of Danny DeVito and Danny Glover stepping into this game world and acting as grumpy old men who, (laughs) you know, don't know shit about, like, video games and stuff and, you know, set in this world that they don't understand is pretty fun. It's pretty refreshing seeing Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart not act as themselves again, especially Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart was surprisingly good as... Danny Glover, honestly. So, I was actually going to ask you something real quick, so I'll, I'll bring it up now. Because, um, obviously, I haven't seen the movie. But I did hear that, like, someone someone said on Reddit um, that Kevin Hart, when given a role that's not playing himself, can do a pretty decent job. And they said that he does, you know, a pretty good job in this movie because he's not fully playing himself. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean... Like, I don't blame him because he plays himself. I mean, he's, himself. like, he's very typecasted, though. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Like, he plays himself because that's what he gets hired to do and people find him funny. But I think this movie shows that when Kevin Hart, like, is actually, like, trying to act, he can actually be pretty damn good. So, like, I, and, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Kevin Hart. I think he's incredibly talented. I just, again, think he's typecasted and does the same role over and over again. But this movie kind of restored my faith in him. Like, no, this guy's actually really talented. And The Rock, who is pretending to be Danny DeVito. Oh, well, Danny DeVito is, like, in the game, Jumanji. Like, The Rock is his avatar. So it's Danny DeVito's, like, personality, like, in The Rock, whatever. The Rock does a surprisingly decent job playing Danny DeVito. 
Um, but I don't think he steals the show like Aquafina does. And I want to say that I'm going to end it like that because I can't really go too much into that without giving spoilers. But Aquafina, in my opinion, is the highlight of this film. Um, again, I can't really say much more, but I think she continues to prove that. Well, first of all, let me just say that she's on fire right now. Yeah, shout out Aquafina. to her. Aquafina. Shout out to her. I mean, she had um, Crazy Rich Asians last year. She had The Farewell this year. Jumanji, I guess, is her big, I guess, blockbuster. I can't really think of another blockbuster she was in before this. Yeah. Um, but she was really, really good in this. I'm a little disappointed because we were supposed to have her on for this segment of the podcast, but uh, she got back to me a couple of minutes ago saying that she has to give us a rain check. Oh, Aquafina? Yeah. Oh, wait, let me check my mess. Oh, yeah, she just texted yeah, me. Yeah, in that group chat we have. Oh, yeah. Damn. Well, whatever. I guess maybe next time, Aquafina, if you're listening to this, um, we appreciate your, I guess, time. So thanks for that. So, um, the movie, where was I? Oh, yeah, entertaining, enjoyable. It's not perfect, obviously, this type of movie. I mean, you're not expecting, like, Citizen Kane or some shit. Yeah, you're not don't expecting, expect anything like, insane. Yeah, you're not expecting, like, this cinematic masterpiece. But for what it is, it's enjoyable. It's a fun time. Uh, I do wish some aspects of certain characters were a little more explored because... The film does well set something up really interesting, like having the game broken, like the actual like Jumanji video game itself, like the console is all like messed up and broken, and they had an opportunity to do something really cool in the world of Jumanji with like you know potential glitches and bugs and things acting all wonky because the game is broken, and. The film never really does that. I thought that was kind of a bummer because it would have been really interesting to see. However, the movie does kind of redeem itself because there is a mid credit scene. I heard about that. Do you know exactly what it is? I don't. So if you want to, you know, dive into some spoilers now, then feel free. So like as, as spoiler free as possible without giving away too much detail, it looks like they're going back to the original Jumanji. Like the first ever one. That's, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Oh, shit. So, all in all, it was pretty enjoyable. It was a fun ride. A few solid laughs, although not as funny as the first one. Um, I think the film fails to do anything really interesting with something cool that they set up at the beginning. And that's kind of a bummer, but I can't really hold that against it too much. Um, so, I'll probably give this film like a solid 3 out of 5. That's good. Like, yeah, yeah, no, that's a good score. Don't get me wrong. I, I, like, I think I gave the Jumanji before this a three out of five, but it's definitely a stronger movie than this one. Hundred percent. So that's my review on uh, Jumanji: The Next Level. Do you want to talk about some Adam Sandler? Yeah, I mean Adam Sandler is the best actor of all time, so might as well make a top five list, right? I mean Jack and Jill, Grown Ups, Grown Ups Two. It's just made um, straight bangers. Just straight Citizen Kane's. So, <laughs> um, our top five Adam Sandler films to commemorate his um, solar eclipse of a serious acting job. John, what's your honorable mention? 
All right, so my honorable mention is a movie that, I, and you guys know me, I gotta make it weird. Um, it's a movie that not too many people have seen. Um, I think it was like the first or second. Actually, I, I think it was the second. Bro, movie. every time you say that, every time you say that shit, I feel like you just live in like this secret like film archive, like watching all this like rare shit. There's like a whole list like that someone made on Letterboxd of just strange movies to watch, and I'm watching all of them. <laughs> <laughs> like films that only like one person in the world has seen no for sure like i li- like i think i might be like one of the only people in this world that have seen this movie um but it's not terrible so my honorable mention is the do-over which i think if i'm not mistaken is the um the second film um that adam sandler made with netflix because you know have you had that whole contract with them to make like three or four films I'm pretty um, sure it was like six films. <laughs> oh, okay. Something fucking ridiculous like yeah, that. Yeah, something crazy. That so I believe this is the second one on that list. Um It's uh it's a movie with with I don't even think he's the main actor in the movie. I'm pretty sure it's um uh De- uh David Spade. Um Oh god. <laughs> yeah. David Spade's surprisingly crew- not annoying in this movie. I, I don't okay, find but that whole crew is terrible. Oh, hundred percent. Like, I guess maybe uh, with the exception of Chris Rock. Yeah. Um, the movie's like literally like here. Like I'm going to just read you like two sentences of the movie. It says the film follows Charlie, David Spade and Max, Adam Sandler. After the, the latter fakes their death in order to start their lives anew, things go awry. And when they discover that the dead men who identify whose ident- identities, I'm sorry, they have adopted. I know, words are hard. <laughs> we're entangled <laughs> in criminal activities. It's really nothing like it's 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 not the best movie ever. It's not it's actually not a great movie at all. Um it's 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 enjoyable if you legit have nothing to do on Netflix. Like I mean Rotten Tomatoes nothing. would agree with you because that shit has a ten percent. That's why and that's why it's on my honorable mention. I'm not putting this shit in my top five. Nowhere near my top five. Um But it's like okay. Honestly, ten percent a little a little low. <laughs> it's like I feel like the movie's a little bit more enjoyable than that. I don't know. I'm looking at the poster and this poster looks like a five percent movie. <laughs> It might be honestly. Um, Paula Patton's in the movie too, which you know I can always appreciate that. Um, I don't know, man. The movie's good. I, I really like to get into detail about this movie. It's I, I enjoyed it. I I think I gave it like a two point five out of five on Letterboxd. Wait, Nick so. Swardson is in this movie. Why is he in all these Happy Madison movies? Yeah, I don't know. What the hell? They're all boys. But um, yeah, that's my honorable mention. The do over. <laughs> Okay, very interesting honorable mention. So my honorable mention actually makes sense. Um, and that is Click. I would I have put a, that on my list, but I don't want to copy you. Okay, I respect that. Um, I think Click would be in most Adam Sandler fans' top five. Because I feel like it's one of the more normal films he's done. And by normal, I mean like... Not crazy. I was like, well, not bad. <laughs> That's yeah. What I mean by yeah. normal, because like, let's be honest. If you look through his filmography, I'd say like seventy percent of it is garbage, which is a shame because he's a fucking awesome actor. He's a really, really good actor. But I mean, the dude says he makes movies to go on vacation with his friends, and you know, I can't hate on that. But Click, I think, is one of those like hey, look, Adam Sandler can actually act movies. Um, and it's interesting because it's also like a comedy first and foremost, but it's super emotional and has these 
really emotional beats, especially towards the end of the movie. Um, so I think it's lies in this interesting sort of plane where it's Adam Sandler being serious and also being funny at the same time. And I think it's like a good, I think it, it's like a good mix of the two. You know, it's not yeah. overly stupid, like something like Pixels and Grown Ups, but it's not, you know, Punch Drunk Love or Uncut Gems sort of serious. It's like a funny movie that tackles serious themes, I guess. Um, I mean, it still has like some really, you know, like moronic bits to it, like most of his other movies, but it's not as bad and I, I can respect that and I like that. So with that click is my honorable mention. All right, cool. Um, I'm going to get on to my number five, which is Happy Gilmore, which I think if you are a, if you grew up in like, you know, the nineties, like we did um, this, I feel like this film for most people has like a special place in your heart kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. It's one of those movies where, you know, when it's on TV, you just got to stop what you're doing and watch it for a little bit. It's one of those feel-good movies. Does okay. that make sense? No, no, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to go into detail. I feel, like, I feel like everybody that's listening to this podcast has probably seen this, unless you were born, like, in 2010. Um, and in which you would be, holy shit, 10 years old. You would be. You would be 10 if you were born in January. <laughs> Before January fifteenth, you'd be ten <laughs> years old. <laughs> um, but yeah, Happy Gilmore is my number my number five. Um, hilarious movie. You know that I feel like that's when like Adam Sandler was. They were making a lot of movies with him as an as the lead role, but they weren't like getting insane just yet. Like they were still like you know weird funny, but mm-hmm. over time has you know gone by. He started like his roles have just gotten really strange. Um, I mean, literally right before Happy Gilmore, you had Billy Madison that came out the year before. That's another good movie, though. That is a good movie. And you have Happy... I I would say his run from Billy Madison, then you have Happy Gilmore, then you have The Wedding Singer. Good movie. The Waterboy, and Big Daddy. I'd say that is like prime comedy Adam Sandler. And then once you get past that... It's just, like, garbage. <laughs> it's, like, really bad. And then I'd say, like... Mr. D is not terrible. It's not. And then I'd say once you hit, like, 2008, when you have... Um, oh, no, that's when his fucking career just, like, took a shit. Yeah, when you hit, like... Okay, no, no when you hit, like, 2009, which is when you have... Like, no, funny people. Oh, not funny people, I'm sorry. Not really, because... Zohan? Oh, yeah, you have Zohan, yeah. Okay, so, yeah. So, that's... You hit, like, 2008... And then from 2008 to, like, 2016, it's just, like, depths of hell garbage. And then from 2017 on, it's not terrible, honestly. Because you have, like, the Hotel Transylvanias, you have Uncut Gems, the Meyerowitz stories, which aren't bad movies at all. But, man, that that time frame from 2008 to 2016 is pretty rough, man. There's yeah, some 100%. garbage on. There's some garbage on this list. <laughs> yeah. So, like, Happy Gilmore was for sure one of the movies in his comedy prime. Um, 
it might even be like you know if it's not the best on that list of you know those earlier movies it's one of them so i think you could definitely make an case. argument that it's art that it's his best moronic comedy yes exactly so happy go War number five great film okay agreeing so my number five okay i have two moronic comedies on this and when i say moronic comedies like i don't mean that and like this super harsh term that it sounds like it is by moronic comedy i just mean like it's like a stupid movie like <laughs> it's, a, it's a movie that you just go in to laugh and not think about <laughs> yeah it's like a movie that's so stupid it's funny which is like in that same level as like zoolander which in my opinion is the greatest moronic comedy ever made um but that's besides the point so at my number five i have the longest yard um as a lover of sports um you know basketball and football primarily i think this film just hits that I thought you were like, a tennis fan um actually tennis and golf were my actual one and two but i was too embarrassed to say it but I thank mean, you for outing me well you should have put happy gilmore in your list then if you're such a big fan of golf oh, fuck you're right <laughs> okay, so The Longest Yard. I think I just think this movie is so fucking stupid. <laughs> it's dumb as hell, but it's hilarious. Bro, it's so stupid that it's funny. Like literally that that's just what it is. Like Chris Rock is in this, Nelly is in this. I forgot yeah, Nelly. It has like a really weird cast. Yeah, uh, Joey Diaz is in this as Big Tony. Joey Diaz is in that. Oh my yeah, god, he's Big Tony. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, I know Michael Irvin was in the movie. Um, so is so is um, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yep. Uh, Terry Crews. Yes, Terry Crews is it? Jeez, this movie's so fucking dumb. <laughs> but if you like football, and I guess like the stupid kind of like comedy, I honestly think that this movie packs a lot of laughs like i think you could watch this movie if and like just laugh at it like and like it's not on that level where like like something like jack and jill okay may, that may be a bad example but something on the level of like grown-ups too where it's like okay why am i watching this like these jokes like aren't funny like they're just really dumb like i think the jokes are actually like surprisingly solid in this and yeah. like Really, it just looks like everyone's kind of like having fun in this. Like, no, you definitely, like, you could tell they're for sure having a lot of fun in that movie. Like, yeah, and like the celebrity cameos are pretty fun to watch. And I feel like this was sort of like the tail end of Adam Sandler. Like, like not like after this, I feel like he wasn't even hiding the fact that he's like, I'm just gonna make garbage. Here you go, guys. Yeah, hundred percent. So that's my number five, the longest yard. John, what's your number four? All right, my number four, which I'm not going to go into detail about because we've discussed it before. Um, is Have we? Cr- oh, you know what? No, we probably haven't. I think it was uh, – I- I'm getting confused with, like, one of our posts for the social media. Um, okay, so my number four is Eight Crazy Nights, um, which if you don't know what that is, it's an animated movie that Adam Sandler stars in. Um which it kind of has like a cult following. Um, I feel like when this movie first came out, it wasn't crazy. Like it wasn't like anything hyped. I mean, from what I remember, um, mm-hmm. 
I'm actually trying to find like a quick plot of the movie. I mean, it, it's like a Hanukkah movie, pretty much. It, it's probably like one of the best, if not the best, Hanukkah movies out there. Okay, I thought. Well, I mean, it has a twelve percent. Bro, but it's tomatoes, good. Bro. I mean, I I think you could agree <laughs> with this movie's a banger. Do you want to know something? What? I've actually never seen this movie. You've never seen A Crazy Nights? I swear. And I also found the synopsis. Read it. So, Davy Stone, which is Adam Sandler, 33-year-old party animal. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Finds himself in trouble with the law after his wild ways goes too far. In keeping with the holiday spirit, the judge gives Davy one last chance at redemption. Spend the holiday performing community service as the assistant referee for the Youth Basketball League, or go to jail. Jesus. Davey thinks he's gotten off easy until he meets Whitey Duvall, the eccentric, elf-like head referee. <laughs> what the fuck is this movie, bro? Bro, the movie's like... It's, it's a weird movie. <laughs> and it's animated? Why, did this ha- why does this have to be animated? Why couldn't they just film this? I don't know. Like I don't live know action? why it was animated. I have no clue. But it's animated. Um, but it works. It's kind of like a. <gasps> Wait, musical. is this the movie with the with the Chanaka song? Yeah. No way. You haven't seen this? No, I haven't. But I've heard the song. Yeah, yeah, that's the movie. Holy shit! God, this movie sounds awful. It's the best movie ever, bro. Oh, Rob Schneider's in it. Jesus, Dylan and Cole Sprouse are in this. Yeah, but they're always been tied to Adam Sandler. Have they really? Yeah, they were they were in um, Big Daddy. Oh shit, you're right, bro. Damn literally, it. there's a list or not a list, but like a thing that says the best Hanukkah film, and they list Eight Crazy Nights as the best Hanukkah film. And bro, it has a twelve percent on Rotten Tomatoes. This cannot be the best Hanukkah film. Probably like the most well known. No, it's the best. Did you also just look that up? Yes, yes, I did. All right, I mean, <laughs> it's a good movie. Like, I definitely, like, I definitely recommend this one. You know, the, the holidays. I mean, bro, honestly, around. honestly, look at what look at what it has against it. Okay, you have F- Full Court Miracle, which I've never even heard of. It's a Disney movie. You have The Hebrew Hammer, Mistletoe and Menorahs, and An American Tale. That's what Eight Crazy Nights is up against. Yeah. Okay, so I could see a crazy night's potential, possibly being the number one. It's the one best on movie of all time. Okay, better than Dora. No, second best movie of all time. Okay, watch your mouth, bro. Yeah, I can never just. Time you make that a, next time you make a crazy claim like that. Yeah, so a crazy nights is my number four. Um, like I said, watch this movie when it's like Christmas time, you know, Hanukkah time, in December. Definitely watch it. If you watch it any other time, you're not gonna like it. Yes, that would be Hanukkah time. I hate you. <laughs> okay, so my number four is a more recent one in his filmography, the Meyerowitz stories. Bro, wait, hold up. Dylan and Cole Sprouse are twenty-seven years old. Damn, that's old as that's shit. Actually, that's actually pretty crazy. <laughs> like that blows my mind. I just clicked their name on fucking on the. Uh, Big Daddy list, and I was like, "Wait, bro, they're that old, and they're turning 28 this year." Jesus, that's actually pretty crazy. Wait, do you want to know something really fucking interesting? What? I actually know their birthdays. Why? 
I have no idea. It's December 4th, isn't it? No, it's August 4th. Oh, yeah, August 4th. There we go, because that's Matt's birthday. <laughs> Did you get Matt's birthday confused in no, December? No, because I thought I just confused December and August because for some reason when I said Dylan and Cole Sprouse, for some reason I also thought of Jay-Z, and I know Jay-Z's birthday is like August 4th or August 5th. It's one of the two. I mean, December 4th or December 5th. It's one of the two. Gotcha. Um, but well, yeah. Fun fact of the day, Dylan and Cole fun. Sprouse are 27. And uh, their birthday is also August 4th, so when <laughs> August 4th comes around, <laughs> make sure to wish them a happy birthday. <laughs> we for sure have to do a, a post on for their birthday. Oh, absolutely, 100%. Um, wait, do you mean on um, the Inside the Backlot Twitter and Instagram, at Inside Backlot on Twitter and Inside the Backlot on Instagram? Make sure to follow us. Yep, exactly that. Damn, okay, fire. So my number four is the Mayerowitz stories. It's a 2017 American comedy drama, actually directed by Noah Baumbach, who, if the name sounds familiar, is because he directed this year's Marriage Story, another Netflix film, which I just realized that's two back-to-back Netflix films for Noah Baumbach. Um, I wonder if he's on a contract with them. Probably. But I remember when this film came out in 2017, it was pretty highly regarded. I know it premiered at Cannes. And it was selected to compete for the Palme d'Or, which is pretty big. Um, so it's pretty big in those film circles. Uh, the film stars Adam Sandler, Ben Stiller, uh, and Dustin Hoffman. I'm going to give a quick synopsis um, as soon as I can find it. Actually, just forget the synopsis. It's basically about a family. <laughs> That's pretty much all you need to know. Um, Adam Sandler is, okay, I don't want to say surprisingly, because obviously we know he's a good actor, but he's pretty damn good in this, and every time that one of these movies, you know, comes around, you know, like this year we had Uncut Gems, it gets me really upset because I wish that he just tried more often, because he is so fucking good when he actually sits down and you know, tries to commit to a character and to a film. He's really good. Um, and this is one of those films where, you know, he's actually showing his acting chops. And it's pretty emotional. Not pretty emotional, but it's very emotional. Um, it's a solid film all around. Solid performances, especially from Adam Sandler, and, um, Ben Stiller, and Dustin Hoffman. It's on Netflix, so I would definitely check this out if you want to watch Adam Sandler actually act. And the film's also kind of funny. It's not like a straight-up comedy. It's a comedy drama, but, you know, there are a few laughs in this, so it's definitely worth your time, especially if you like, I don't know, like serious movies. <laughs> I'm actually going to check that out because I love The Marriage Story, and I never saw it, so. It's good. It's, it's not as good as Marriage Story, but it's definitely good. All right, awesome. Um, So my number three is another classic of Adam Sandler, which is The Waterboy. Um, if you don't know what this movie's about, it's pretty much about... A Waterboy? How old is Bobby in the movie? Like, in his 30s? Is he in his 30s? I he think could be. so. He could be. Yeah, I think he's like a 30-something-year-old guy, uh, you know, guy with like a stuttering issue. Um... He's like kind of antisocial. I don't know. Um, 
he's like the water boy of the University of Louisiana, and he ends up uh, he ends up like joining the football team. Bro, I haven't seen this movie in such a long ass time. Now that I think about it, I'm like really trying to like remember how he. <laughs> I'm like trying to remember all the, like the small details of this film. Um, I mean, I have the I have the synopsis right in front of me. Do you want me to say it? Yeah, read it. Okay, raised by his overprotective mother, Bobby Boucher Jr. is a water boy for a successful college football team, coached by Red. I'm not even gonna try to pronounce that last name. <laughs> when Blank fires Bobby, <laughs> he takes up the same position for a losing rival team led by despairing coach Klein. After witnessing Bobby beat up a player who teased him too much, Klein adds him to the roster as a linebacker. <laughs> I forgot about that. Soon Klein's players are championship contenders. <laughs> I forgot that he beat the shit out of someone and then he make him a linebacker. Bro, the, the, it's the best movie. Like, it's so goddamn funny. Like, there's so many classic scenes in this film that like you can literally quote for the rest of your life. Bro, like, I'm not even kidding. Every time I see, every time I see Gatorade, I just have that scene where it's like, Gatorade, <laughs> Gatorade. Stop. Water sucks. Yeah, no, that Stop. movie's a the movie's a classic. If you haven't seen this film, I don't know what you're doing because it's it might be the best comedy. I'd say ever. it's I'd say it's probably as good as Dora. It is it is as good as Dora, a hundred percent. Okay, so <laughs> I I really don't need to say anymore. Like, the movie's that good. So my number three is a little bit of a cheat, um, and I say that because Adam Sandler is actually not in this movie. I don't think he even has a cameo in this at all. But I put this in here because it is produced by Adam Sandler and his um, production company Happy Madison. And that film is Benchwarmers. Now, this movie will always, always, always hold a special place in my heart because I think it's one of those... F- not Okay, not first movie I saw as a kid that like was really dumb. But it certainly, to me, was the most appealing. Um, but, dude, this movie is so stupid. I, I never liked this movie. Really? It's so dumb that I literally can't help but laugh at, like, every little fucking thing. Also, like, I'm very nostalgic towards this movie because I did watch it as, as a young age, and I've probably seen this movie, like, fucking ten times. So, <laughs> I'm definitely biased towards this. But I actually think it's really genuinely funny, like, in a really stupid sort of way. I think it's incredibly quotable, especially the... Um, like, like my group chat, we still have the meme where, like, you know, the scene where it's like the the I am twelve ID shit. Yeah. Or the yeah the I am twelve one. Like, I don't know that always sticks in my head. Um, it's it's just a funny movie, man. It's just one of those movies that I can just sit down at home, turn on the TV, and if Benchwarmers is on, there's like a ninety nine percent chance that I'm gonna sit down and watch Benchwarmers because I know that I'm guaranteed to laugh. Yeah. You know, a little fun fact about this movie. Um, I went to high school with this kid that played. Um, I'm looking at the cast right now. So he played Mitchell in the movie, which is like a little kid in, in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Garrett Julian. So I'll give him a quick shout out, even though I'm going to get a little controversial here. <laughs> like, that's all he was known for in high school, which I kind of find it funny. 
Um, <laughs> not to sound <laughs> fucked up, but it's just like it was just hilarious, bro. But like you know, shout out to him, man. Like that was in a in a, in a uh, Happy Madison movie, so not many people could say that. Damn! Shout out to him. <laughs> I just, I, bro, that's the only like that's literally the only like. I guess good thing I can think about that movie because I, I I really don't think that movie's good. Like I, I can't even watch it and laugh. <laughs> don't chop it. It's not a sword. <laughs> yeah, I just don't find it funny. I really don't find that film funny at all. But Dude, when I really? see the kid from That's I went to high school insane. with, I you know I get a, I get a good giggle. That's actually insane. I think this movie's fucking hysterical, bro. I I don't know. I I it's I, that was like one of those movies that I was really like excited for when it came out, and then when that when when I watched it, I was like, nah. I don't know, man. I disagree. I think that shit is hilarious. But I don't know. I also have the do over on my honorable mention list. So that's also very true, and that's like at a ten percent on Ron Tomatoes. So <laughs> <laughs> to each their own. <laughs> All right, what's your number two? Um, so my number two is actually Fifty First Dates. Yeah, have you seen this movie? Do you want to know something? You haven't. I have not actually. All right, I think you're missing out because I think that if you saw this movie, it would be on your list. Uh, I mean, it actually, bro, it's not like it's not like it's competing against fucking like titans of film, bro. I'm sure it would, bro, it would be. But it's a great movie. It has a 45 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Ignore that. L- ignore it, bro. This movie is actually really good. Honestly, bro, like 45 percent for Adam Sandler is like a 75. Yeah, a 45 percent on one of his comedies. It's like you might as well give him a fucking Oscar. Yeah, 100%. Like this movie, I'm going to read I'm going to read the uh the quick synopsis. Uh Playboy vet Henry sets his heart on romancing Lucy, but she has short-term memory loss. She can't remember anything that has happened the day before. So every morning, Henry has to woo her again. Her friends and family are very protective of her, and Henry must convince them that he's in it for the love. That's pretty much it. Like the movie So that's why it's called 51st Dates. Yeah, and you the movie gets, you know, the movie has a a couple scenes that are a little, you know, sad and 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 uh, you know, gets you a little emotional. But the movie is really hilarious. Like there's a couple scenes with um with Rob Schneider that it, like crack you up. Like he the, honestly, I think this might be my favorite movie that Rob Schneider um is in. Like that is like, not an incredibly high bar. I know it's not, but he he's so dumb in this movie that it works. Because, like, he, like... Because this movie is really not that, like, stupid funny. Like, it has a couple stupid funny scenes, but it's not... I, I wouldn't consider it one of his stupid funny movies. Um, but Rob Schneider gives you like that like over the top stupid funny in his film. And I, I think they just wanted to add it just so they can, like... Because I feel like Adam Sandler needs to have that, like, one... He needs at least one of his boys with him at all times. Yeah, to play, like, a dumbass role. And that's what Rob Schneider does in this movie. But it it works. It's actually hilarious. Um, I definitely recommend this, man. I feel like you should definitely check this out. Like, it it is a funny-ass movie. Um, Hmm. It's my number... That's why it's my number two, man. Like, I literally, like, I, I... I love this movie a lot. I'm trying to see... Like, it says Peter Seagal directed it. Oh, okay. So he he's he actually did the longest yard as well. Get smart. Okay. Um, I love get smart. Yeah, this guy. I mean, I mean like just from that alone, I mean, he's kind of anger management. 
All right, so he's done some decent, some pretty good movies. Um, I definitely recommend it though. Adam Sandler, I think, is at his best in this film. I mean, obviously, like not like uncut gems or anything, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah I get you. Okay, interesting. So my number two, and this shouldn't be a surprise to anyone who has seen this film, is Paul Thomas Anderson's Punch Drunk Love, starring Adam Sandler, Adam Sandler, Emily Watson, Adam Sandler. Stop. Adam Sandler. <laughs> um, yeah, it's his um, it's his cousin. <laughs> yeah, he actually wow. makes good movies. That's um, his, that. That was actually the, the actor that was in Uncut Gems. Yeah, it was the one in Uncut Gems and The Mayor with Stories. One hundred percent. So again, the film stars Adam Sandler, Emily Watson, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and Luis Guzman. Again, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. This film is incredible, man. Um, I mean, the first thing that immediately comes to head, what's in my head when I think about this film, are the use of colors in this film, especially it's the shades of blue and red throughout the whole movie. Uh, when you watch it, you'll understand what I'm saying, and hopefully the colors, like, you'll catch on to what the colors mean. Um, here's a quick synopsis for those who've never heard of this film. I've actually um, never seen it, so I I, I really want. Like, I'm gonna try to like make it a priority to watch this soon. It's fucking fantastic. Okay, so quick synopsis for Punch Drunk Love. Although susceptible to violent outbursts, bathroom supply business owner Barry Egan is a timid and shy man by disposition, leading a lonely, uneventful life, partly due to the constant berating he suffers from his seven sisters. However, several events transpire that shake up Egan's mundane existence one of which is falling in love with one sister's co-worker, Lena Leonard. But the romance is threatened when Egan falls victim to an extortionist. Um, so it's definitely a different type of movie. And I think this is the first movie that Adam Sandler was in that he was actually like trying to act. And then people were like, holy shit, this guy's not just like a comedian. And he's actually a really good actor when he tries. Yeah, I don't remember if he was nominated for for any awards for this. I don't think he was. However, the film won. Paul Thomas Anderson won the award for best director at Cannes, and the film received the nomination for the Palme d'Or. So that in itself um, shows the level and the quality of this film. Um, I would definitely recommend this, especially if you like uncut gems and if you like Adam Sandler. I think this is required viewing although if you're a fan of his stupid comedies and you're a fan of his comedy i would say to stay away from this because you would probably find it boring but if you like uncut gems and that type of movie um i would definitely 100 percent recommend this because the movie is incredible in all honesty yeah so, i definitely want to watch this movie man I would make it a priority, or not a priority, but I would definitely well, from, like, put this on my letterbox watch list if I were you. Yeah, like from people that I've uh, spoken to about this film, um, everybody seems to have like the same thoughts on it, or like, like from a couple of people I've spoken to, like it, this is like one of their favorite movies. Like it's like in their like top, you know. 15. I don't know if I'd say it's my f it's like one of my favorite movies, but it is a great, great movie. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely want to watch it. I'm actually going to make that priority soon. Um, 
But with that being said, I don't really think we need to go into too much detail about our both of our number ones because wait, 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 wait. Can we do it at the same time? Sure. Okay. Our number one is on three, okay? Okay. Okay. One, two, three. Uncut gems. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, my number one is uncut gems. Um I we both don't need to go into detail about this because we're literally gonna talk about it right now to give our you know review of the film since it's uh fairly new. Um Yeah, I <laughs> that's pretty much it. That's our top five, honestly. Yeah, like, pretty much that's our top five. That's our top five. <laughs> let's just get into this now. Like let's get into the bread and butter of uncut gems. Okay. Do you want to start first or do I start first? Um I I'll do a quick, you know, little you do a little sum sum. Yeah, I, I give the quick the quick small reviews and then I let you go into more detail. Um so Uncut Gems is a movie directed by the uh Safety brothers. If you haven't heard of them, they are they did um the movie Good Time, which is one of my personal favorite movies ever, uh, with Robert Pattinson. <clears throat> uh and if you haven't seen Good Time, it's it's just a, a it's a movie that just literally is like a stressful edgier seat kind of it's movie. It's a movie with people and things and in a city and words. Um but yeah, it's one of those films that just, you know, is very intense and I um once I heard that they were doing Uncut Gems, which is what's funny, bro, is like I remember like watching the trailers for Uncut Gems and be like, "Damn, this looks like a good movie." But I didn't know it was the same people. And then like I literally I literally found out it was the same brothers that that did a uh, good time like maybe a month before I saw the movie. And then I was like, "Wait, what? Like it's the same guy?" So I was super excited for it after that. And um yeah, man, I ended up loving this movie. Actually, let me let me read a quick Do you want to read a quick synopsis if you have one in front of you? Um yeah, I have one right in front of me. Okay, so quick synopsis for Uncut Gems. Howard Ratner, a charismatic New York City jeweler, is always on the lookout for the next big score. When he makes a series of high-stakes bets that could lead to the windfall of a lifetime, Howard must perform a precarious high-wire act, balancing business, family, and encroaching adversaries on all sides in his relentless pursuit of the ultimate win. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, The movie, I, 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 which I, I remember being surprised about when I actually watched it again with you, um, Martin Scorsese produced it. I know. I didn't know that until the end credits were rolling. I was pretty surprised yeah. to see his name. Yeah, yeah. He produced the movie, so that's that's pretty cool to see. But yeah, I I, I love this film. I'm actually a little disappointed that it didn't get nominated for like anything, like not even best actor. Like I think Adam Sandler has like, if he were nominated for best actor, I think he has a strong chance of winning for of, for this role. I mean, I think he's up against really good competition. Rob- I think it's a complete robbery that he was not nominated for the Oscar. Yeah, that he's not even nominated. I don't care if he wins or doesn't win, but like for I I think he needs to get the recognition that he deserves for this film and he just doesn't. And it really pisses me off. Um but, you know, that's just how Hollywood is nowadays. But this film just works, bro. It, it's like after like the first five minutes of the movie like you're just locked in and you're like on the edge of your seat the entire time the movie gets very tense which i love there's a lot of scenes that just kind of like you know what i mean like the whole scene where they're trying to like you know get in through the door and all that stuff and 
bro. Yeah, we'll talk movie, about that in spoilers. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna tell. I'm not. I'm not gonna talk about the spoilers. But there's like a lot of scenes that just just keep you on the edge of your seat, and it's like not, they're not even doing anything insane. Like it's like little little things that they're doing that just. I don't know, bro. They, I really the directors really it. know how to. The directors really know how to create tension. Yeah. In like, with the seemingly nothing. Details. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there there'll be one little thing, like going on in like the corner of the screen that maybe Adam Sandler's character Howard is not aware of, but the audience is, and it's shit like that that makes us, you know, think, oh shit, like, like does he know that it's there or whatever? Like little things like that that really drive up the tension because i think like you said once this movie starts it does not let up dude it's yeah you're like I, on a roller coaster after that i felt like i was gonna have a fucking anxiety attack watching this movie it was crazy like how much like i was on the edge of my seat yeah um i also want to go into a little the movie gets into like a little bit of like you know gambling and um and like sports betting and stuff, so I, I like I, I have a lot of friends that you know are into sports betting and a lot of stuff, and I I kept telling them like, bro, you guys need to watch this movie. Like, if you're into like any kind of like betting or anything like that, like this is the movie that's like made for you. Like, it's just like it's just a I don't even want to say fun, bro, but it's like a great film that kind of just goes into like the crazy side of that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to give a quick shout out to Kevin Garnett, bro. I was like, about to say that, dude. Kevin Garnett, okay, like, first of all, like, when anytime I hear an athlete's gonna be in a movie, I, it, it, it kind of leaves, like, a bad taste in my mouth, because I'm like, bro, like, I, I just don't like forcing actor athletes to, to act when they can't, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's a couple of outliers out there, like, like, Michael Jordan and, and Space Jam, like, you know, he wasn't that great of an actor in that, but it worked. Um, yeah. LeBron was in that one movie with Amy Schumer, which... Uh, I hate that movie. I think is fucking terrible. But LeBron was actually not bad in that either. Have you seen uh, Thunderstruck with Kevin Durant? No, that movie, movie looks is fucking, fucking terrible. Garbage. It is garbage. <laughs> and Kevin really Durant, bad. I'm assuming, was was horrible. Um, yeah, he was pretty fucking bad. Yeah. So I don't know. I there's just like like there's a couple outliers out there, but for the most part, having athletes in movies just doesn't work. But Kevin Garnett is literally asked to play himself in this movie mm-hmm. and he's playing himself from the 2000 from 2012 so when he was in the Boston Celtics uh and it, it just works bro like you could tell like they, they weren't you know asking a lot of Kevin Garnett but the the guy had to act a little bit in this movie and like there was a couple scenes where you could tell like this like this guy has to act like he can't just be himself and 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 you know it mm-hmm. works like he had acting to actually, is hard dude acting is it, hard it really is and he does a great job for what he's given and i'm like i was super satisfied with what i saw because I, I was like a little skeptical or nervous going into it like i was like is this gonna work but it, it works out in the end so super happy about that and i actually really liked um adina menzel in this she, she doesn't have a long um screen time in this movie but for for the couple scenes that she's in like i think she does she carries her own really well too yeah i also really like the usage of the weekend because when i heard that he was in this movie and he was being like pretty like decently promoted i was like oh my god here we go another celebrity you know being forced to act and whatnot but he's in the movie for like 10 seconds bro yeah maybe like two three minutes tops and Um, he's playing himself in that in the movie too so he's like literally singing like half the time so it's not too bad 
And in regards to KG, I just want to say this. As a Miami Heat fan, I hate Kevin Garnett, but I respect him. And this movie made me respect him a hell of a lot more because the dude can... I would not be opposed to seeing Kevin Garnett in another movie eventually. I mean, hold on. Let's, let's, let's just... Let's just uh, address something real quick. There's never been a team <laughs> ever in NBA history that has juiced the living shit out of a championship. The Dude, 2008 one Celtics, you, bro. You would think they f- they five peated, bro. You would Jeez, legit think so that they were annoying. like the fucking the the Bill Russell Celtics or something. Dude, they're so annoying. And like Kevin Garnett is the head of the, that fucking totem pole. Yeah, but, no, a hundred percent. Like that's why like, I was like, "Fuck, bro, Kevin Garnett." Like, I have to like Kevin Garnett because he's so dude, good in this movie. I know, but KG, shout out to you. You actually killed it in this movie, and you made me tolerate you for for a little while. So that's pretty fucking impressive. Um, do you want to get into spoilers? Because there's a couple of things I want to talk about in spoilers. Yeah, I think we should because this is also a movie that's like. I feel like, you, like it's super once hard it to starts, talk about this. Like, yeah, no. Once it starts, you're you're in spoiler territory. Like there's there's not you can't really talk about much without giving away spoilers. So, yeah, I think um, now should be a good time. Oh, okay. Hold on. Before we get into it, I actually want to say I think Netflix is picking this movie up in the next couple of weeks. Well, Netflix um, also like had a hand in producing this movie. Did they? Yeah, they did. Um, so that's why it's coming on Netflix so soon. January thirty first, I think, outside of the US. And probably when the Blu ray releases um so March it'll maybe come on the US. Yeah, probably like March late February, early March. Yeah. And shout out to A twenty four too. I not uh, they they actually made this this film, so is it A twenty four or A two four? Uh A twenty four. Okay. So A twenty four, I I mean obviously if you know who they are, they've made some fantastic films. Um and this is just another one of their, you know, great movies that they've made. So shout out to them. And uh, yeah, let's get into some spoilers. Yeah. So um, let's try to make this quick because we still got to talk about 1917. And there's a lot to talk about there, too. Um, but I really liked how they handled Adina Menzel's character and her relationship with Howard, where she knew this dude was a piece of shit. She knew what he was up to the whole time but they never really dwelled on it it was sort of like a hey we're getting divorced i hate you i'm here to show how much of a piece of shit you are and how much you're tearing this family apart and i really appreciate that and i think adina menzel did a great job with with what she was given you know like i uh, shout out to her i didn't i was scared when i when i was going into this movie i was like oh you know i'm only gonna see elsa like when she speaks (laughs) Um, I was gonna hear Elsa tell Adam Sandler how much of a fucking dick he was, but I was that was not the case, and I was pretty pleasantly surprised. And I also want to say that Howard is a fucking madman for putting an opening tip in his parlay. Yeah, bro, like that. You're literally your entire parlay will go to shit if, if KG loses. A, that's that literally tip. a fifty fifty percent chance. Bro, if KG loses that tip, he is screwed. I, I saw like a Reddit comment that like someone said that and, and some dude replied. He's like, well, he was going against Spencer Hawes, so it seemed like a pretty safe bet. <laughs> I laughed at that. Bro, you know what's actually um, was so I when I went to watch this movie, I um, I mean, obviously, like I'm, I'm a huge, huge, huge NBA fan, but I really, really remember 2000. 
um 10 to like 2014 15 of course because i'm a miami heat fan that was when the heat were on a fucking tear in the nba so i literally remember like keeping up with like every single game not just the heat but just keeping up with every single game in the nba so it was also the peak of nba 2k so i know like exactly. every character on that on that game, in that game <laughs> exactly right um so that being said I remember this because uh, at the end of the film, they go into the game. There, <clears throat> he bets on the game seven um, of the uh, Celtics versus Seventy Sixer series, and I like remembered that the, the Celtics won that series because they also played the Heat in the conference finals in the next round. Oh, I how can we forget? Exactly. So I was like, like knowing how that played out, I kind of knew how the movie was going to play out. But if you're not into sports like that, like I watched this movie with Brianna. And, like, she loves sports, like, or she likes sports, but obviously she doesn't have, like, you know, crazy memory like we do about this shit. Um, she was, like, she kept asking me. She's, like, do you remember this game? I'm, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, like, how does it play out? How does it play out? I'm, like, I'm not going to tell you. I have to watch the movie. <laughs> I'm, like, just watch the film. You'll you'll find out. And um, so I thought that was pretty cool. So it's, like, it was cool to know how it played out. But it's, I guess, like, if you don't know, it, it's, like, it, it makes it more uneasy, you know? And, like, in the moment, like, the, the film does such a great job of adding tension in that one scene that even if you do know the outcome like we did, like, you're still on the edge of your seat the whole time because you know one thing goes wrong and Howard is fucked. Yeah, like, literally fucked. Which, I mean, ends up happening, but not at that moment, you know? Yeah. Um... This movie just I, this movie does a lot of good things, man. It does a lot, a lot, a lot of good things, and and like the cinematography, kind of like it's pretty frantic. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like that's exactly it really what I was adds, like trying it, to. It really adds to the tension when the camera is shaking every five seconds. Exactly, and and I, I'm not a big I'm not the biggest fan of like shaky cam, but for this movie, it really, really, really works. I agree. Um, um, big. Sh- I also um think that the "This is how I win" speech like really delivered because I was really looking forward to that. You oh know, yeah. Because of all the memes on Twitter and you know that part of the trailer looking really cool. Um, I think that's one of the highlights of the film. You know, Adam Sandler like hyping up KG and the audience like slowly coming to the realization that. Adam Sandler finally, like Howard, finally has the money in front of him, and he's gonna place another bet. I think the audience coming to that realization is like, is one of my favorite movie moments of the year, personally. Yeah, I, I hundred percent agree. Like when that. he says, when he says, like, "Oh, let's see what Vegas thinks about that," I was like, "Oh <laughs> bro, my god, bro!" I was god, shitting my bro. pants when he said that. I'm like, "Dude, stop!" Like, dude, fuck, bro. And um, my personal favorite scene in the film is when KG finally comes back with the opal. And they can't get the door of the jewelry store open. And everyone is screaming over one another. And the door just isn't opening. And KG has the opal in his hand. And you don't know if he's going to leave. And they just can't get the fucking door open. And the thing yeah, is beeping. That, that's the scene and, that I was oh just God. talking about earlier. Amazing. Like, amazing. It, that scene's only like two, three minutes long. But you're just like, bro, what the fuck? It feels way longer. Yeah, it does. Um, One thing I, I want to bring up is... Um, if you've seen the movie Good Time, um, I, I, I'm not going to get into spoilers with that movie, but if you've seen the movie Good Time and you know how it ends and you go into this movie, you know how these how these directors want to end their film. You get what I'm saying? 
Like mm-hmm. it's not gonna it's not gonna please the crowd. Like okay, it pleased me, and I think it pleased mostly everybody that watched the movie. But it's not gonna be like a movie where this guy ends up on top. You know what I mean? Um, so halfway through the movie, I knew exactly. I mean, I pretty much had to figure it out how it was gonna play out. I was like, this guy's either gonna die or. Actually, and uh, that's it. Like, like he there was, was no way die. out. There was no way yeah, out for him. There was no way out for him, and and that, I, I think that's how these directors make their movie, make or make their movies. Um, but to see how everything plays out before you know you get to that end point is just fucking amazing, bro. And and mm-hmm. and the way it happens in this movie too, you know, the way uh, Howard dies, it, it's like such a like tense scene in. Everything like happened within like five seconds, bro. Because you're like, you you literally get like you're jumping through all these different kinds of emotions because the set uh, the, the Celtics beat the 76ers. He gets the entire parlay, uh, you know, correct or whatever. Um, you know what I mean? Like he he got all the rebounds, all the points. He they won the game. He got the tip off, everything. And uh, you know he starts celebrating. So you're like happy. You're like, yo, let's go, man. Like he actually finally won. And you know he bet like one hundred sixty five thousand dollars, and how how much does he end up winning? Like a million something. I don't remember the exact number, but it's something crazy. A million, like I think like a million or two million dollars, like. And so you're you're like happy, and then he lets the fucking guys out. Boom, just dies right there. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> like it's such it's oh like I I just love that man like because like they literally just make they go from making you like super fucking satisfied and happy and ecstatic for the character to just boom killing him off and then just fucking like stabbing you in the heart where you're like oh my god bro did that just fucking happen like did we just watch all that for it to end like this but it's not one of those disappointing like bro i can't believe that was such a waste of time i don't think this movie's like that at all um but it just fucking just like makes you go through like 20 different emotions all within like a 20 second span um I also really like the scene where we learn that Arno isn't, like, this gangster. He's his brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. And I feel like throughout the movie, like, you get a sense that, like, Arno really doesn't want to hurt Adam Sandler. Like, he has a bunch of opportunities to fuck him up, but he really just, like, embarrasses him. Like He's, like, a, puts, he has, like a soft spot for him, kind of. He, he puts him in, in the trunk of his car naked, but he leaves him with his phone. He throws him into a fountain, but he never really like hurts him at the end of the day it's the goons that he hires who were just like bro i'm sick of these guys and they kill he kills both of them but i I don't know i like that arno wasn't this like gangster figure he was just his brother-in-law who wanted his money back and yeah he's like a loan shark i think yeah made the wrong decision i don't think he was a loan shark i just think he gave him money okay gotcha and yeah he's not like he's not like like some crazy mafia guy like he's just like Someone yeah. that with friends that wanted his money back. Yeah, and like he didn't. Okay, he didn't really want to hurt him, but I don't think he messed with the wrong people. At the end of the day, you know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I really, really, really love this film. I wish that we had seen this film before we did our top ten of the year episode because this is in my top five. I think I have it at four right now, behind the Lighthouse, Jojo Rabbit, and Parasite. Um. I love, love, love this film. Um, and honestly, I can't wait to see it again. Yeah, it's, no, it's watching so it again energetic was actually and crazy. Was really fun for me. Um, 
So those are our thoughts on Uncut Gems. We highly, highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, Definitely I, go watch I think, it if you can. I think I gave this film a 5 out of 5 on Letterboxd, which is like... If I were to rate it out of ten, I'd probably give like a nine, nine point five. But you know, I'm gonna round up. Round, I'm gonna round up for this when it comes to the, you know those five scores. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, dude, re- I totally recommend five out of five for me. I think you gave it a five out of five. Um, I actually lowered it to a four point five out of five. But just still fucking ridiculously yeah, still good. an amazing, amazing score. Um, when it comes to, like you and me, like if we give a movie like a four or higher, like that's a great film. Yeah, definitely. Um, so those are our thoughts on Uncut Gems. Let's move on, shall we? Yeah, let's get into, um, uh, let's run in with our muskets and, uh, talk about some, (laughs) (laughs) talk about some, uh, 1917. Um, okay. So 1917 finally released in the United States. Here's a quick summary. Two young British soldiers during the First World War are given an impossible mission. Deliver a message deep in enemy territory that will stop 1,600 men and one of the soldiers' brothers from walking straight into a deadly trap. Now, the film is directed by Sam Mendes, who also directed um, Skyfall, the James Bond movie, um, and American Beauty. Film stars George McKay, Dean Charles Chapman, who I did not know played Tommen until like halfway through the movie. Um, Mark Strong is in this film, and Andrew Scott, Richard Madden, Colin Firth, and Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, I guess I'll go first since you started with Uncut Gems. No, I'm going first. Um, no, <laughs> I think on a technical level. You know, the cinematography, the set design, the sound mixing, the editing. I think this film is a masterpiece. Yep. I think on all those fronts, I think this film is the best of the year. In literally every single one of those categories, except... I mean, especially cinematography. Um, Roger Deakins filmed this movie to look like it's all one continuous shot which there's some films that do that like victoria i think is the biggest one that is you know one continuous take obviously this film is not like victoria whereas victoria was actually shot all at once there's some there are like some points in this film where like you can definitely tell that they cut well they do a lot they do it like a couple like maybe like three or four big cuts and then there's maybe like there's like a couple small cuts that you see like when the camera's panning you know it'll go like behind a rock or like behind a tree or something and like they'll use that to cut but it still looks smooth like in real time like you won't know it cuts unless you're like watching the film and they're like okay obviously they're using this to cut um but if you're not thinking about that obviously you're not really realizing it um but i think the cinematography in this film is the best of the year, quite honestly, and probably the best in a little while. I mean, Roger Deakins is a legend. I definitely got some Skyfall vibes in some of the uh, cinematography, especially with um, the scene with the burning building in particular. Yeah. De- definitely got some Skyfall vibes there. Yeah, I actually didn't think of that, but that's actually a great point. Um, The way Deakins uses darkness and light sources in that darkness 
is incredible. Um, I think the story is solid. Uh, you know, it's nothing crazy. It's based... I think it's based... I don't know if it's based on a true story. I think it's based on a story that Sam Mendes is grandfather. It's based on, like, a couple of, like, true stories that, like, combined. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, and I think... I think this film is fantastic, man. I think the acting it's... is really solid. And I really like how all the famous actors in this film, like, the big Hollywood actors, are only in it for, like, two minutes each. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm super happy with that. Like, Mark Strong... Bro, like, dude, like they maybe show Mark Strong's face for, like, ten seconds. Like, other than that, you just hear his voice. You don't even... Yeah, the first time you see him, you don't... You see his, like, boots, and you hear his voice. But at least I knew it was Mark Strong, because his, his voice is pretty distinctive. Oh, yeah, no. you you Like, if, if you're a Mark Strong fan, you know you know exactly who that guy is. Um, I think... <sighs> This film is in contention for best film of the year, up there with Uncut Gems, Parasite, um, Marriage Story. You could argue, um, The Lighthouse, Irishman, Irishman, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's uh, this 2019 has been an incredibly strong year for film, and I think 1917 is the last of those really strong films, and I think it really delivers, especially on a technical level. I think the film does an amazing job of capturing the reality and the horrors of war. You know, there's scenes where our characters literally have to swim over dead, bloated bodies um, while he's trying to hold back tears. Um, You have scenes that are very visceral with, you know, people who are affected by the war, not just soldiers, but, you know, civilians and bystanders and the parallels between the lives of these main characters at home and the lives that they have now on on the battlefront. I think the score by Thomas Newman is fantastic Dude, and that, I think he used incredibly it might well. Be, it might be the best score of the year. Um, I would say it's between this and Marriage Story, definitely. I think Joker's up there too. Uh, Joker's up there too, but I, personally I prefer I preferred this one. Yeah. Um. Maybe I'm just a Joker hater, but it's true. No, jo- say what you want about Joker, but I think everyone can agree that one, the score is definitely good, yeah. and the score yeah. is awesome. Absolutely. Um, I think 19. If there's one movie from 2019 that you need to watch on the biggest and loudest screen possible, oh, yes. I think it has to be this movie because yes. I almost watched this movie in digital, and I actually didn't because you convinced me not to. Dude, You're I like, told you, I was like, you need to watch this either in Dolby or IMAX, and there's, like, literally nothing else you can watch it in. No, yeah, I, don't. I, I ended up seeing it in Dolby, and there's, like, three scenes in the film that actually made me, like, jump out of my seat from how, like, Oh, my God, there's so many scenes like that. Like, it, it's like you immerse yourself into this war. That's what I really, really fucking love about this. Like, I, not for, like, for literally, like... For not one second of this movie, I was I like taken out. Like I like from start to finish, I was like I literally felt like I was in fucking World War One. Like I literally thought I was playing fucking Battlefield One, bro. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I actually want to bring up real quick, dude, is I'm happy with you know the big time actors like having a presence in this movie, but not having a big presence in this movie. But yo. Richard Madden showed that he can act in this movie for oh, only being yeah. in it for a, like maybe a minute and 30 seconds, two minutes. Um, oh, yeah. Like, 
I don't really want to get into spoilers just yet, but there's a very, very powerful scene with him, and it just fucking moves you and just, you know, it, it, it's good, man. It, it, it's probably my favorite scene in the movie. Um, and everybody in this movie does a great job. Everybody. And there's not one okay performance. Like, everyone that's in this film does a really good job by with immersing yourself and or, or just helping – you know the the audience immerse themselves into this story and um like you were saying to you man like the cinematography was just like out of this world good and I, I don't think we're gonna get anything like this you know for a little while um um this movie actually so I, we did our top 10 list in the last podcast which is like what a week ago now um I'm so mad that this movie came like released a couple days after that man because it's now i i thought about it so when the movie came out i rated it on letterboxd a five out of five and then i was like bro this movie's for sure in my top three so i threw to my top three list because i have like a whole list on letterboxd of, of my top you know favorite movies of the years and um i put it in my top three list for 2019 and once I like really digest, like digested the movie, you know, just like sat down for a few days and was like, like you know, just processing what I watched. It's now my number one. And really? Yeah, like I, I loved Marriage Story. I loved the Lighthouse. I-, I loved all these films, like you know, Marriage Story, Lighthouse, um, um, Once Upon a Time, Uncut Gems. Like you know, these are all films that I really fucking loved, and this movie is just like just something about it i mean i'm a sucker for world for war movies i think maybe um but there's just something about it man it's just like a really fucking good movie bro and there's just like it's just so powerful like it's 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 so good like 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 what you said earlier if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it you definitely need to watch this in a movie theater now, if you can watch it in IMAX or Dolby, but if you can't, that's fine. Go watch it like in you know a digital regular you know auditorium. But like it's it's not a movie that you can watch on your fucking laptop. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, I hate people that oh, watch movies 100%. on their iPads and laptops unless you know if you're traveling or something. I get it, but um, if this is a film that you need to watch in a theater. You need to watch this movie in a movie theater because mm-hmm. that's the only way you're gonna really feel it. You know. I agree. Um, do you want to talk about some spoilers real quick? Yeah, I think we should dive into some spoilers now. Okay, so um, I mean, at least for me personally, the highlight of the scene is when um, is his name pronounced Schofield or Schofield? I think it's Schofield. Okay, when um, Schofield is running through the ruined town with, uh, at night with the flares um, lighting up his surroundings. Le- legitimately made my jaw drop. I'm not exaggerating. My jaw Bro, literally gorgeous. dropped when I saw Gorgeous. When it was beat with the score swelling in the background. It was Dude, what a I had shot. chills. I had chills watching that. I'm getting chills just just thinking about it and talking about it right now. But it was Damn, I need bro, to watch this again. Everything, the music, the cinematography, the desperation on Schofield's face of him, you know, running through this barely lit ruin not really knowing where he's going people shooting at him was jaw-droppingly beautiful um and i think a close second and the reason it's not my favorite scene in the film is because i want to point something out to you i want to see if you noticed it is the scene where schofield is 
trying to get to um, Colonel McKenzie at the very end in the movie. And he's trying to get through the, the um, trenches, but it's blocked. So he runs, like he steps out of the trenches and runs like on no man's land, like across no man's Dude, land. Dude, what, bro, what a scene. Okay. The one reason that that's not my favorite scene in the film, because it's spectacular. It's one little thing that bothered me. And I'm going to point out to you and you're going to notice it the next time you watch this film. And you're probably going to hate I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know exactly what scene you're talking about. It's when he bumps into that one dude yep. and the dude falls on the floor <laughs> and just doesn't get back up. <laughs> Bro, I, I talked about this with somebody after the movie because I th- what I, I saw it and I what I thought of it was that like that person like got shot or something. So I was like, you know, I kind of like like in a movie, I just like just didn't think about it. But the person I saw it with was like. No, they, they just like that. That was like that person just fucked up, but like the shot was probably just so good that they kept it in there. Like, bro, he literally just like bumps into him. The dude falls on the floor and just doesn't get back up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like, like, he died. <laughs> he was like, yo, fuck this, bro. I'm not fighting. <laughs> yeah, that's probably like honestly, like I mean, I, I'd, I'd have to go rewatch the movie again, but like, that's probably one of the only errors in this movie, bro. Like, you can really tell that they were like perfectionists with this fucking film with everything that they did. And apparently, um, when the actor for Schofield, like, when he first fell down and got back up and kept running, that wasn't supposed to happen. Like, that was an accident, but I think Deacons and Sam Mendes liked it so much that they decided to keep it in there. So I think that's why they kept the dude who fell and didn't like, get back up. They're probably like, bro, fucking no one's going to notice yeah, this shit. Yeah, they're probably like, it, whatever, just leave it. Um, but I was pretty mad because I was staring at the dude for, like, a solid three seconds. Like, I was like, bro, is this guy going to get up? <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't but then i was like okay let me just actually like just try to focus <laughs> but like i was already like kind of laughing but that doesn't take away from the fact of like how spectacular that scene is and we actually posted a behind the scenes making of video on the backlot instagram so definitely go check that out if if uh, you guys are interested in seeing that um but yeah those were, were my two favorite scenes of the year uh, i mean of the film and i think there's a lot of really interesting parallels in this movie that I don't know if you picked up on. Yeah. Um, one of them being when Schofield finds, you know, the little house of the woman and the baby. Um, and I think that's, that's my, that's my, my bad. Like, that's my, like cause I said, I had like two really, really favorite scenes. Like that's my second favorite scene, that entire, you know, sequence of him being, in the uh in the basement or whatever with, like with it's, lady. it's it's a scene that really humanizes him and i think we we don't learn this until the end of the film but he has his own wife and daughter um and i think him you know finding this woman and the baby for him kind of reminded him of being back home and i think him having to leave them is a testament to his character in the sense of like this was probably reminded of his home and now he's leaving this woman and this baby again you got what i'm trying to say yeah it was like he was doing it at home and now he's doing it here on the front lines but he still you know goes on to complete his mission even though it's looking you know grim for him um that scene really stuck out to me and i think for me personally the most emotional scene in the film is when Tommen's character uh, dies <laughs> um, when he dies and he's Schofield is trying to take him to be buried in which I'm assuming 
or what I was assuming at that moment was going to be in the cherry blossom trees or in the cherry trees because, you know, of the whole story he gave about his mother having the cherry trees. And then the other dudes come and they just kind of set him down and leave him there. I think it is incredibly powerful because in that moment, he's just another casualty and another body, but we know his story. So we relate to him and his character and his story. But every single one of those other soldiers in this film who's dead has their own stories. Yep. And to me, that really... That one scene really hit me. And I was like, damn, like... It just was to show, I guess, like how pointless... Like, the war is. Sorry, I had to sneeze, so I muted my mic real quick. Um... (laughs) Well, not I, I, well. One big thing about this film is how pointless war is, especially with Colonel McKenzie. Like when he literally says at the end, like, "Okay, he's telling they're telling me not to attack now. I'll just wait until dawn when they tell me to attack tomorrow." Um, with that line, but man, like, I don't know that scene with Tommy when they just kind of left them there. Uh, that scene really stuck out to me because, like, yeah, look at all these other people who are dead, and they have their own stories too. But we got to see this character's story. And just for, like, literally just for 20 minutes, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, literally. Like, he's not in the film, like, a lot. It just touches you that hard. Like, it's, it's a fantastic movie. Um, One complaint that I, that I don't have, but that other people had of this movie, especially people that we I went to this film with, which is, uh, you know, friends and, and affiliates of, of, of Steven and I, um, they were kind of bashing the film. Um, saying that the soldiers in this movie, you know, they can't, you know, hit their targets. You know, they're not hit, like, with their guns. They're not, you know, hitting, you know, they're not shooting uh, on target. They're not, you know what I mean? Like, they're, they're not hitting, they're not, they're not shooting at each other, um, pre- like, with, pre- pre- with precision. You know what I mean? And I'm like, okay, first of all, this is World War One. They're using fucking muskets and shit. Two... People are getting drafted into this into this war. You know what I mean? Like you're not just hiring or bringing on board marksmen that are fucking American sniper. You get what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm, yeah. You're literally they're getting kids, bro. Like that's what the film. Like, I feel like with Tommen's character, like <laughs> we keep calling him Tommen. Um, what's his name? <laughs> Tom Blake in the movie. I um, think so. Yeah. Um, with his character, like, like he looks like a kid, bro. Like. And he probably yeah, was. He was probably in his early 20s. And that's what a lot of these like, people in, the, in these wars are. It's like, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21. They're kids, bro. And and they're not going to be fucking... Like, they're not going to be like, Chris Kyle's like, they, out there, yeah. bro. People out here thinking, like, people in war are, like, fucking shrouded. Yeah, like, 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 they're not... Yeah, like, they're not going to be... Like, the, yeah, do they go through training? 100%. But this training's only, you know, maybe last a couple weeks, maybe months. Until they fucking just drop them into the, into the you know the war, that's how war is. That especially world wars, and a lot of people don't realize that. And I'm like, dude, like not everybody is gonna be disgusting with a fucking gun in their hands. Like this isn't a Call of Duty video game. This is real life. Yeah. You know, people, people miss are their scared, shots. Bro. Often. People are scared. They're yeah. Anxious, that's why they're the, nervous. Yeah, like the, and then the whole scene too. Like people got like the whole um people were like left with a bad taste in their mouth with the scene where. Um, Schofield runs into the room when it was uh, at night, and and he puts his mouth over the the German soldier to you know like try to shut him up. Mm-hmm. Um, 
They're like, bro, why didn't he just kill him right there? Like, what, what the hell is he thinking? I'm like, dude, like, you're fucking terrified for your life. I don't care what side of, of, of the war you're on. Every soldier is fucking terrified of their, for their lives. Like, bro, mo- most of these people don't even want to take another person's life. Like, yeah, exactly. That's why, like, like to be. and the whole scene with the pilot, um, like, like people got mad about that too. I'm like, bro, that's how war is. Like, it gets to a point where, like. Like if you if you can not take someone's life, you just try not to. You know, obviously, like you want to you want to uh, not get killed. You know what I mean? The, you're mm-hmm. you're you're out for yourself too. But at the end of the day, like if if, if there's a way for you to not kill somebody, like you some like a lot of these people take that chance because no one wants to fucking take someone else's life. You know what I mean? I don't care mm-hmm. what side of the party you're on. Um, and that's what I feel like people fail to realize when it comes to this film. And I think this this movie does a great job of that because. You know, we've had a lot of war movies in the past that have had these, you know, great hero moments. You know what I mean? But is that really what what war is, how it is? No. Like, war is more like this movie, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I can really appreciate. Like, and I think one part that's really poignant at the end of the film is that, yeah, Schofield succeeds and he's, you know, technically the hero of the story. But at the end of the day... The war continues. Like these people, if they didn't charge today, they're gonna charge tomorrow or the day yeah, after. Yeah, he, he stopped or one attack. Like I mean, that, which was the entire objective of the movie, and that was for him to stop one attack so that they wouldn't get you know trapped. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the war goes on. You know, there's still a whole lot of war left to fight, and that's like the scary part of it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I think the film is amazing dude the way it tackles its themes its messages and just on a technical level it's unlike anything i've seen before and yeah it's it's just it's just it's 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 another it's another kind of film that you just like like you definitely need to watch this and like and like the my my father is like a huge 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 like movie or or war movie fan like you know he's not like a big movie guy but when it comes to like you know war movies and shit like that like he mm-hmm. fucking watches all of them and i told him like my dad does not go to the movies bro like I, he probably hasn't been to the movies like in at least like two three years and um i was like tell, i was talking about it and i'm like bro you need to go watch this movie in the theaters like what i don't care you know how far you have to drive to go watch this. I'm like, please watch this movie in the theater. So I think he's actually going to try to do that soon. Um, I'm actually seeing him this weekend. So maybe I'll try to see if I have a moment to watch it with him. Um, but it's just, it's like, like I said, you or like we both said, you, you need to watch this. Like it, you're putting yourself at like a huge disservice. If you don't watch this in, in, in a theater, because like, if you end up watching it at home on a, you know, TV or on a laptop or whatever, then you're just, you're not going to, fully grasp the movie hmm yeah i mean i have this film in my top five actually have it as number five um however i can't really decide if i like this or uncut gems more if i'm being completely honest as of right now those i want to ask you ask you um what did you like what movie made you feel more stressed out uncut gems (sighs) or this Uncut Gems. Just because in this movie, I was in awe most of the time of like what they were doing. Whereas in Uncut Gems, I was just stressed like 99% of the time. And like this movie had a lot of breaks. Whereas Uncut Gems r- really Doesn't. didn't. Yeah. So, um, 
but I can't decide which film I like more, honestly. I think like right now, all like my top five, any one of those can realistically realistically be my number one. It just depends which one I, I watched last, honestly. Um, yeah. But as of right now, I have 1917 at my number five spot. I know you said earlier that you had this as your number one of the year, actually, which is pretty crazy because I think this, it's technically the last film um, of, you know, the big Oscar releases and whatnot. Yeah, I think this is like the final, you know, chapter of, of 2019 film. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I can definitely see this. This is for sure going to take home best cinematography. Um, I can definitely see. If it doesn't, see, I'll be mad. Yeah, one hundred. What else is gonna win? Joker. Um, please no. No, I um, no, no. I had a, I actually had a buddy of mine on Instagram like post like his uh his thoughts on or his his Oscar predictions or hit like what he was you know rooting for, and like he voted for Joker for a ton of stuff. I had to send him a message like for cinematography he voted for Joker. And I'm like, bro. I was like, no offense, but like, have you seen some of these movies? Like, be honest. Like, have you seen a lot of the films that came out this year? Because if you're not voting for 1917 for cinematography, like, then you're wrong. Honestly, you're wrong. You're wrong. Like, there's no, like, <laughs> like this movie cinematography is just fucking ridiculously good. Hmm. So, I don't know. I, I, I would, I, how mad are you going to be if Joker wins that? Um, I might never watch the Oscars again. And that's not a, that's not an exaggeration. I might literally never watch it again. Um, I agree. <laughs> So yeah, that's our review on 1917. Definitely, definitely go watch this film. Um, keep an eye out on our Twitter and our Instagram. We're definitely going to be posting a, um, a lot more things there. We also just got our website back up and running. Um, you can check that out at backlotreview.com or insidebacklot.com. Um, I'm going to have my Oscar winner predictions up pretty shortly. It's going to be a written article um john send me your predictions also so i could post those up together as well yeah um i see that the oscars are uh, i mean i don't know when our next episode's gonna be I, I don't know what movie comes out in between now and bad uh, boys three bad boys three okay so i guess we'll review that next um but the oscars are on february 9th so you know expect us to talk about the oscar winners and 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 you know all that good jazz when that comes out because I think we can. I think that'll be a really good episode for you know for us to discuss the, everything that happens on the Oscars because oh yeah definitely there's probably gonna be some some you know good stuff to talk about and some shitty stuff to talk about so oh yeah definitely that that's gonna be coming soon um around the time that the Oscars premiere so keep an eye on that and um thank you guys for listening stay tuned. <laughs>